I'm going to start a new series called The Building Blocks of Faith. And I want to encourage you, we're going to really get into it. You know, Brother Hagen has a, has a CD series, Kenneth E. Hagen, not Pastor Hagen, uh, has, a, has a CD series. You know, he went to heaven in 2003. I love the simplicity of his teaching. It, it's, it's really, it, I learn more from him today than I ever have. Uh, it's really awesome. But he has this CD series, and I would encourage you to listen to it uh, because this series, I think, is going to be a lot tailor-made around the outline of it. And uh, when you think of building blocks, like the building block of an education, when you, when you went to school, you, or even before school, what do you learn? You learn the alphabet, right? And he has a CD series called the ABCs of Faith. And, and in that, you know, A being what faith is. And we're going to talk about that first. And we're just going to take our time because we really have to define what faith is. And I believe that you're going to hear some things that probably you've heard before, but you're going to hear them in a new way. And I, and I, I believe it's going to help you in your walk of faith and in your life of faith. And uh, so, you know, we'll never stop talking about faith. And we're going to get into the reasons why. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God, Right. Without faith, it's impossible to receive anything from God. So we need to talk about these things. So the A is what faith is, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to start there. Then we're going to talk about how faith comes or how to get faith, and we're going to be very solid in that. The last thing we'll talk about, well, <laughs> the next thing we'll talk about, who knows where we go. We might go through the whole alphabet. I don't know. But the, the C is how to use your faith or how to turn your faith loose, right? But we want to talk about that. So today, when we get into this, we're going to start at the foundation, defining what faith is. Now, when I say that, what scripture comes to your mind? Hebrews 11, verse 1, right? Well, we're not going to turn to Hebrews 11, 1 even though that's the scripture that comes to all of our hearts, right? Because why, why does that? that? That defines what faith is. Let me say it correctly. That is one of the definitions of faith. But in order to understand faith, you have to understand it. You have to, you have to come up this mountain several different ways. I could tell you this, we're living, we're approaching the end of the church age. We're closer than anyone has ever been. I believe that we could be very, very, very close to the end of the church age. It is imperative that believers know how to walk and live by the faith of God. Because God wants you to have everything that he's provided for you in Christ. And faith is the median of exchange of heaven. So as an example, when you go to a grocery store and you buy groceries, notice it takes money. It, money is the medium of exchange in this world, right? If you, you're, The house you live in, the clothes that you're wearing, everything that you took a shower with, you brushed your teeth with, everything was gotten through the medium of exchange. You gave money, and, and then you received whatever. All the vehicles out in the parking lot, right? All of that. Everything. We came in cars that we paid money for. Well, in the kingdom of God, faith is the median of exchange. So we need to understand it. <clears throat> and a lot of believers don't understand it. We can always grow and increase in faith. I've been walking by the faith of God for decades now. And I got to tell you, that walk of faith, it's not perfection, but it is a lifestyle, right? The ABCs of faith. If you know the ABCs of faith, you'll always be able to walk in victory no matter what the enemy brings in your life, no matter what life throws at you, 
you'll always be able to walk in the victory that has already been given to you. Because remember, the battle's not yours. Even though it feels like it. See, the highest expression of faith, we've talked about this before, is rest. I've ceased from my own works. I'm not trying to figure it out. I am already fully persuaded at the beginning when I get the diagnosis, when this happens in my life, no matter what it is, when it feels like I'm in the fire, I already am fully persuaded that I already have the victory. So I'm at rest. I'm excited. I live in expectation. You could tell a person it's in faith because they'll be happy. Because they, they're fully persuaded. They know they already have what God says he's given them. Right? So this is huge. It's the same way in the area, let's say, of money. If you really learn what money is, if you learn how to get it and how to properly use it, you will be successful in, in the financial arena of your life. It's that way in everything. So we're going to talk about faith. There's two words primarily in the New Testament that is used regarding faith. So, and, and this is not an English class, because one of the words would be considered a noun, one of the words would be considered a verb. But however, in the Greek language, they're both like a present participle. So in other words, they're both active words. They're not passive words. So the first word, Greek word, is translated faith. You'll see that in the New Testament, right? But the second word, now, now faith, this Greek word, is usually a noun, but it's active. It's still a present participle in the Greek. The Greek's a little different. And it's still active. Faith is always active. So the next word is the word believe. And, you know, people have written books on the difference between faith and believing. And I want to encourage you, we're going to bring all this to light. But man, one of the things that God's going to really talk to you about, he talks to me about, is don't micromanage your faith. So what's the difference between faith and believing? We'll, we'll talk about that, but don't get caught up in all that. The two words that talk about faith, faith and believing in the New Testament, they're both active words. The Bible speaks of faith in a number of different ways. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. You don't have to turn there, but you could write this in your notes. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul is talking about faith in a very general sense. Right? I've kept the faith in my lifestyle. I've walked by faith. Paul also spoke about faith in regards to specific results. So you see faith talked about generally and specifically. In the ministry of Jesus, Jesus is going to Jairus' house. All of a sudden, a woman with an issue of blood touches the hem of his garment, the little tassels that come down on his prayer shawl that a rabbi wore and, and instantly the power of God comes out of, comes out of him into her and completely heals her of an issue of blood that she had for 12 years, right? And, and what did Jesus say? He turned around and when she came forward, because he's like, who touched me? And then by the spirit of God, he saw her that touched him. So he knew it was a woman, but then she came forward and, and told him all the truth, said, I'm the one. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So her faith very specifically healed her of an issue of blood. So general sense and specific sense. So now let's start with this foundation. Let's go 
to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I hope you guys are excited about this. Because I'm telling you, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, I have not. Now, I don't think a, a, a Sunday goes by that I don't talk about faith and different aspects. But I've not done a series on faith since like July of last year. So, you know, it's, uh, I mean, look at this. Already my soothing voice has just put her out. That's awesome. That's awesome. That anointing, right? She's totally at rest right now. And the whole family's going, amen, amen, amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Isn't that interesting? The gospel of Christ is the power of God. Now think about it. The power of God. This is talking about the power of the creator of all things. Unto salvation, but it's only the power to everyone that believes. In other words, if somebody doesn't believe it, they're never going to be able to partake of it. Right? So it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was writing to Gentile Roman Christians... And so he's laying out, just he puts the Jew first and then the Greek. The Greek would just literally be everybody who's not a Jew. But this is what I want you to see in verse 17. For therein, therein what? The gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, right? For therein, for in the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed, how is it revealed? From faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. Habakkuk 2.4 is what he's quoting. So even this principle of the just shall live by faith is in the Old Testament. But notice the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So definition number one in this subject of what faith is, faith is a lifestyle. We don't have faith events. Faith is a lifestyle. Now, this is a major, major issue because most people are using faith. They're going through life, 900 miles an hour, you know, 800 emails, tweets, Instagrams, texts a day, you know, working all the time. Now, now that people are working from home, man, you'd think, wow, that's awesome. You could balance things. Talk to people in the corporate world who are working from home. There's no longer a barrier on when work starts or when work ends. And I know the corporate world, I was in it. It just, the bar keeps getting raised. So, but, but you as a believer are not supposed to be working 100 hours a week. You know, you're not supposed to be in a position where you can't even go to church or when you're at church, you can't even focus because you've got meetings and you've got this and that, right? So what do we do? We use our faith to change our circumstances. Now, if, if you are, are in a season right now where you are, you know, you can't come to church Wednesday night or you can't do this or, you, you know, you're, you're in a busy period, whatever. That's okay. We go in and out of balance all the time, but get God involved in that. God will move mountains to help you, right? So the righteousness of God, we have to really break this down. See, this is what happens. People are going through their life they're going 900 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden, they have a blowout in their life. And, and whatever happens, right? 
whatever happens, all of a sudden, this circumstance that just came up starts talking to them. How are you going to pay for this? How are you going to get through this? Here's the big one. Why did this have to happen to me? That's not really what you hear. A lot of times in your mind you'll hear, why, did this happen? why does this have to happen to you? You know, because somebody else is talking to you many times. All this stuff. And so what happens when a person is not walking by faith, that means they're not, the word's not first in their life. They're distracted. So what do they do? Oh my gosh, now their faith is like a spare tire right? Faith is never to be a spare tire. Now, thank God for spare tires if you need one, right? And I could tell you examples. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, a great minister, they call him an apostle of faith. He says, you know, many times if you're not in faith when you get in a battle, it's too late. I don't like to preach that because I believe with God it's never too late. But I, I would beseech you, live by faith, Use faith as a steering wheel in your life, not as a spare tire. Have you ever been broke down on the side of a road? It's never at a good time. It's not fun, right? What was it last winter? My car has these really cool sport tires, you know, but those really cool sport tires, those thin tires, when they hit a Nebraska, an Omaha, Nebraska pothole, they lose, right? So here I am, man, it's freezing, all this stuff, I'm down there, I've got to change this tire. And do you ever notice what you put on normally? It's like this little, it looks like a bicycle tire. And then it even says on there, don't go over like 40 or 50 miles an hour, which that doesn't even, that's like eating Brussels sprouts. It doesn't even compute to my mind yet, whatever, right? But it's never fun. But God is saying in his word here, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Well, when you talk about the righteousness of God, I hope when I say the righteousness of God, you default to going, oh, that's talking about me. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he was made to bear all of my sin so that I would, be, would come to be or be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You and I are made righteous. You'll never be more righteous than the day that you got born again. You've been made righteous. Well, how's that going to be revealed in your life? From faith to faith. So we haven't spent enough time on this verse, but this is a huge thing. This is foundational. We can go through the definition of how faith works, but until you know it's a lifestyle. And I got to tell you, the Lord, man, I'm so excited about what's going to happen in people's lives. I can tell you this, the walk of faith is going to get so clear to you. There's going to come so much revelation to your life. The Lord, I've seen it, that you're going to, you're going to really learn how to walk in a, a higher level of faith and lay hold of things that maybe you haven't been able to yet. So I'm excited about this. This, this verse 17 could be said this way. Righteousness is revealed in you as you grow from one level of faith to another. It's revealed in you. Righteousness, in other words, is revealed as you grow in faith. Boy, I wish I would have heard that when I was about three years old. Right? Man, think of our little ones right now. Think of what they're going to walk in. Think of what our teenagers, as they embrace, or our middle schoolers, or our elementary school kids, you embrace this principle? Man, the, the life that you'll lead, live. And for all of us who are older, listen, 
it's better not to make the mistakes, right? The righteousness that you have been made in Christ will grow in you as you grow in faith. What do I mean? Not from God's side, but from your side. What do I mean by that? You, well, you won't grow more righteous because you can't. You're as righteous as you could ever be. But you'll grow in an awareness and in a depth. The righteousness or, or who you are on the inside will show on the outside. See, this is why people are not walking in victory. See, as you walk from faith to faith, as you live by faith, you will, the righteousness that you are will show up on the outside. It'll show up on the outside from the standpoint of no weapon that's formed against you will be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn the tongue while loving the person, right? Literally, the Bible says, because this is the heritage of the children of God. It says earlier in Isaiah 54 that literally in righteousness you shall be established. That means fixed and immovable. As you walk by faith and you grow in faith, your righteousness, your ability to awaken and walk in your righteousness will make you immovable in life. That means your emotions won't sway you, your feelings won't sway you, outward circumstances will not move you. You'll be at rest in the midst of any storm knowing, being fully persuaded that you already have the victory. This is what we're talking about. Faith. Faith is the lifestyle of the righteous, right? It's not a fix. It's not a spare tire. This is how we live, right? Many have faith experiences from time to time, but never learn how to live by faith. And this is why we teach on the Holy Spirit, because who leads us into this? The Holy Spirit does. So that's why we never say no to him. And this is why many are not walking. They're not learning how to live by faith because this thing with God is a peripheral thing. And I'm telling you, God's attitude about that is, man, he's going to try to get everything over to you that he can, but he's going to be very limited because he can't violate your will. And if you're distracted or if you don't believe him, you can't receive from him, right? So this is huge. Many use faith to fix a problem in their life. However, the word of God never becomes a pattern so that faith becomes just a temporary fix. We want the word of God. We want walking by faith, living by the faith of God to literally become a pattern. That's how we renew our minds. We have to renovate our thinking with the word of God because there's no doubt, if, if you're not renewing your mind, there's detrimental thought processes, that there's patterns. That's the way our mind is made. If you think a certain way long enough, it'll create a pattern for you. Some, some believers that can quote scriptures on faith and all this stuff, they just, they literally have this pattern that the word of God doesn't work for them. So that's why they get afraid, right? This is why living in an environment of faith is so important. Man, I am so glad and blessed for my wife because she, she walks and lives by faith. And man, if I'm ever not, she'll jerk that chain. Not even by what she says, just her life, right? She doesn't jerk my chain and say, hey, you better, no, no, she doesn't have to do that. But I, I look at her life, right? Her mom, Kathy, talk about faith. Oof. She, she, for years and years and years, just walks by faith. Are, is anybody perfect? Oh, no, 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 we're not talking about perfect. We're talking about wholehearted. But, but what is the common denominator, right? 
It's, it's the word is first. I'm always saturated by the word of God. This is why the local church is so very important to be connected in your local church. So, so very important. It's huge. Faith, in other words, notice how I'm saying the same thing. Faith is supposed to be something you live by. And let me say this. You know, right now during this pandemic that we're in, we have many church members that love God with all their heart that are watching every, they're watching right now. They're here with us right now. Listen, stay connected, right? Reach out to them. You guys reach out to us. Let's stay connected because just because we're in two different geographical locations, so what? We can still commune together. So important. This is why I love, the Bible talks about the communion. I can hardly say it. The communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship, right? I love that. We fellowship in an environment. I love all the people that I get around. You've heard me say this. You guys help me so much in my walk of faith. I mean, there's so many expressions of godly men and women. Not, not perfect. We're all human. But literally people who are walking it out. I love that. It strengthens us. Strengthens you, strengthens me. Here's the thing. When you bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ, what you're doing, when you got saved, you literally were, when you, say, when you said, Jesus, you are my Lord, you were committing to a lifestyle change. That's literally what it means to be born again. I'm no longer my Lord, you are. I, now I'm a new creature, Old things have passed away. What passed away? The self-centered life, spiritual death. Now I'm a brand new spirit. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of me and now it's a lifestyle change. Most people don't realize that. And many, many don't like it. Okay, pastor, be really careful right now because you're talking lifestyle don't you start going there because <clears throat> you say the wrong thing and I'm out. Well, there's no life in living that way, right? The decision to follow Christ was a lifestyle change. And this is it. You turned from sin and you turned to God and you were made brand new. This is why we need to know everything that we can about faith. Why? Because the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, so that we can live a righteous life. Why am I preaching on faith? So that you can live a righteous life. Well, what is a righteous life? that you please the Lord, that you're able to literally receive and walk in everything he's already provided for you, that you walk in his peace, that you know that guilt and shame and condemnation are not part of your life anymore, that you know that, that literally, literally, you're to just walk out your own salvation. We don't, we don't judge what other people, or we don't judge other people, right? We encourage, we build up. I mean, come on. I, th I could speak for myself, but I have a feeling it's, it's universal in this place. Aren't you kind of up to here with your own life? Keeping your own self, right? And, and, and what do I mean? Does that mean I'm stressed out? No, 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 I'm at rest. I'm up to here with keeping myself at rest. I gotta keep my eyes on Jesus, make him the priority in my life, because he is life. And I could walk in that so much easier than trying to do it on my own. Without faith, we can't walk and grow in righteousness. So now, let's go to another scripture. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So we've defined faith. Number one, it's a lifestyle. 
So how do I start the process of living by faith as a lifestyle? You know, actually, don't go there yet. Go over, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And let's look at verse 18. Look at what Paul said to the church at Rome, these Christians. He says, for I reckon, boy, that's almost like Paul was from the South. (laughs) But for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Know that. I mean, because things happen in this life. But listen, nothing you're going to ever face in this life will catch God off guard. He's already made provision for all of it. But you know, I'm sure it wasn't really fun for Paul to be beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, all this stuff. But he says, listen, I know this. What I'm going through in my walk on this earth is it, it can't even be compared to the glory that I'm going to walk in. Right? Throughout all eternity. So, so know this. This, is, this gives you hope. Right? So now go over to another scripture. This just came out of my spirit. Go to Galatians chapter 2, talking about living by faith. Let's look at Paul. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. In the Greek language, it would read, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, how? By the faith of of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So notice, faith works by love. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that good news? God loved us. He gave us this honor, this deep honor to know him. Every time I open the pages of the word of God, I consider it a great honor. I always tell the Father, I'm so honored to come into your presence to read your holy word. I'm so honored by your ministry, almighty Holy Spirit, because as I'm reading this word, you're teaching me. You're revealing this word to me. This is how, it's just a life of honor. This is not something that's boring. If it's boring, realize it has nothing to do with the word, because there's nothing boring in God. Do you know how many people in heaven right now are bored? Never has been anybody bored, never will be anybody bored. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, people are walking around going, wow, wow. I mean, even the cherubims, these incredible, majestic, angelic beings with all these eyes and all these wings that have been throughout eternity flying around the throne of God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the ancient Hebrew language, it doesn't say that they applied and got that job and said, okay, your job will be to fly around the throne and just say, holy, holy. This is not just, you know, could you imagine? Okay, I've been doing this for 8 billion years. Holy, holy. how many times, right? No, 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 no. This ancient Hebrew word means that literally they are speaking as a response to seeing something. They're seeing the awesome power of God. Part in that word holy is beware. This is a holy God. But but what, what compels them is they're seeing a new part of his personality. 
How long they've been doing it? I don't know. And that's the God who says, I'm Jehovah. I'm the self-existent one, and I want you to know me. But I'm so gracious, I won't force you. See, those cherubs, when you talk to them in eternity, they're going to tell you this. It's a great honor. What a great honor to fly around the throne of God and to see another aspect of who he is. So if anything with God is boring, then if you want to see why, just go look in a mirror. Because it's not boring because of him. Right? So let's, have you found Hebrews eleven six 6 yet? Let's look at this. It says, but without faith, it is very hard to please him. Does it say very hard? Does, it, does your translation say, but without faith, it's almost impossible? No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Wow. So in other words, a definition of faith would be that faith pleases him. Not only is faith a lifestyle, but faith pleases God. So why does it please him? So let's keep going with this. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. What does that mean? In order to even come to God, you must believe that he is who he says he is. So if you don't believe that he is your healer because he said he is, he actually went so far to say he actually, Jesus actually bore every sickness, every disease, all the pain, all the infirmity, bore it for you, bore yours. But if you don't believe that, you know, you can't even come to God. The people that are praying, oh Lord, can you please heal me if it's your will? Guess what? He doesn't even hear that because they're not even coming to him. They're just, they're just they might as well be saying twinkle, twinkle, little star. Because God says, in order to even come to me, you have to believe. Now, when you got saved, what did you believe? You believed that he was your savior. So when I believe that, when I believed, listen, Jesus, I know you died on a cross for me. And I know, I know you paid the price for me. So now I'm coming to you to receive salvation. Well, I can do that because I believe he is. If you don't believe that he is your provider, you can't even come to him. Isn't that interesting? Do you know how many people are spending time on their knees in prayer, but they might as well be saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star, because they don't really believe? Notice it doesn't say, he who comes to God must hope that he is who he says he is. Like maybe he is, maybe he's not. This is why if you believe that God will bless one person and not bless another person, you have no basis for faith. Right? Because how do you know? You just don't know. You, have, you can't be fully persuaded. Faith is a firm persuasion based on something that God has said to you in his word. You can't be fully persuaded if you think it might happen or it might not. It's kind of like playing the lottery. Gosh, I hope I win. Right? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? I told the Lord, listen, give me the numbers and I'll play. Because you know what I'll do with the money, man. It'll be right in the body of Christ. It'll be awesome. But he's never given me the numbers. <laughs> but that makes sense because he's just. He's not a cheat. Right? So, yeah. So this is interesting. You must believe that he is who he says he is. And you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. 
Does it say that? Diligently seek him. You know what being diligent is? Diligence is when you don't want to do something, you do it anyway. Diligence is you wake up in the morning and you go work out even when you don't want to go work out, right? Jake works out, you work out all the time. Do you really jump out of bed in the morning and just go, man, I just can't wait. It's five o'clock and I'm just ready to go pump iron. Or do you just like, gotta do this? There are mornings, yeah. Yeah, there are mornings. <laughs> men's Bible study. I love our Tuesday men's Bible study. It's at 6.30 in the morning. Man, I'm, I'm both excited and I'm like, oh, it is so early. But you know, every time I go, it's incredible that next Tuesday comes. Oh. That's only been going on for like almost 14 years. But God says that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Diligence drips with lifestyle, right? So he who comes to God must believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That means when you knock, it opens. When you reach up, you know he's reaching down, right? When you believe you receive, you know he'll perform that. Before you can come to God, you must choose to believe that he is who the word says he is before you come to God. This is why many never receive their healing, walk in their provision, or experience their victory that God's already provided because they just don't believe it. It is amazing to me the revelation, the books the, the teaching that's available, and yet faith is so rare in the American church. So very rare. But it doesn't have to be. So let's make faith, you know, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, but let's make it very rich among us. Faith, in other words, is the soul ingredient to please God. You know, it says in, in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, it talks about faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Is that true? Absolutely. It even tells us in Galatians that faith works by love. But you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say love pleases God. It never says hope pleases God, but it does say faith. It's the only thing listed. God gets excited when we believe what he says. He loves that. If you are operating in faith, though, you will be full of hope and full of love. Right? That's just all part of it. So let's go to James real quick. So, so we have a couple definitions so far. It's a lifestyle and it's how we please God. So now let's go to James. Look at this. It says, James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. In other words, when you ask God for two, he gives liberally, so he'll never give you two. It'll always be more than two. That's cool, right? He gives to all men liberally, and he upbraids not. That, that literally means he doesn't get down on you for the mess you might have created. And for those of us who've created messes in our lives, wow, that's, a, that's good news, right? And it says, and it shall be given him. But look at what it says here in the next verse, verse six, but let him ask in faith. In other words, faith, always asks okay but let him ask in faith so faith doesn't look like this i'm in my mind and i'm in faith nope faith speaks faith asks faith calls for 
faith requires, right? It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Wavering. It's the Greek word diakrino. It means to differ, to oppose, or to contend with. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. That means I'm not differing. What does differing mean? I, I, I listen to a sermon and I hear the word of God and I'm like, okay, that's my answer. By his stripes, I'm healed. By three o'clock in the afternoon, symptoms are getting worse and you're like, well, maybe, maybe not. That's, you just wavered, right? So, and this is why, and we'll get into this, you could have faith in your heart, but doubts still try to penetrate your mind and the enemy will tell you. He'll throw a doubt in your mind and it'll kind of fluster you a little bit. And all of a sudden, now this has probably never happened to anybody in their walk of faith. But all of a sudden you're just, you have this, these thoughts are like hitting your mind like a machine gun. This is not working. Look how long it's been. This is not getting better. It's getting worse, right? And that's where you just need to rise up and just say, no, motions calm down. No, no, Father, I'm fully persuaded. I believe I receive. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Right? I'm, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I don't care what anybody says to me. I live by faith. So I live by your word. And if you said I'm healed, then I'm healed. Right? And all these symptoms in my body, they have to leave because you said I'm healed. Right? So it says, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea. What is a wave of the sea like? It's driven with the wind and tossed. When you waver, you're just like a wave. A wave is driven. What direction does a wave go? Wherever the wind's blowing. So the wave is driven. Faith is never driven. Have you ever been driven? That's no fun. Faith, walking by sight is no fun because you're driven. It's wherever the wind blows. You know, if the doctor says, man, if I go there for my, you know, I get all the tests and I go for my yearly checkup and the doctor says, awesome. Then I walk away, I am so excited. Be careful with that, because if you ever go and the doctor says, hey, um, this is going on, and, and really there's not a lot I can do for that. And so this, you know, we, we're very calculated. See, they, people study this stuff, so they're like, this is where you are, and you have probably six months, and this is actually what's going to happen over the next six months. And are they lying? No. They're giving you facts. Thank God that truth changes facts. So we don't want to be the man who wavers is driven. Who drives people? Satan. Who leads people? The Holy Spirit. Right? Nothing wavering literally means ceasing from your own struggles. If I were taking notes, I would say nothing wavering equals ceasing from your own struggles. This is huge. The devil will always try to get you to waver. When you're in a battle, the devil will get, literally speak and throw a million thoughts in your heart. He'll try to get a movie playing of this thing in your, the, your future being bad. When God says, no, 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 I've got your future. Right? Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, oh Lord, that you would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that you'd know the hope, that's future, of your calling. That means that God has a future for you. See, Satan will always try to get you to waver this is how he stops the believer. You can't waver and be in faith. 
The lifestyle of the righteous is unwavering. Boy, as I'm saying these words, I could tell they're penetrating. They're penetrating your heart. It's the way this whole series is going to be. Things that you've heard before, you're going to hear, and you're going to hear them with new ears. This is a new season. This is a season where the righteous awaken and they walk in the faith of God and nothing moves them. Hallelujah. So James goes from asking in faith to talking about a person. And he gives us only two options for the person. There's a person who's in faith and there's a person who wavers. There's only two options. So you're either in faith or you're wavering. In other words, if you're not living and walking by faith, you're wavering. And this is why, this, this literally is why people are not walking out God's plan for their life. And this is why we need to huddle up together, guys, in relationship. We need to lock arms. And when one of our, one of our brothers or sisters are going through a hard time, we need to lift their arms up. Right? We need, to, we need to have all things in common. It's like, listen, if something happens and, and there's a need in the body, man, we just take care of it. Right? This is, this is how we live. It says here, verse 7, for let not that man, what man? The man without faith, the man who is being driven, the man who is wavering. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Notice how good the word of God is. It doesn't say, think that, let not that man think that God will give him. No, no, God's already given everything. So it's all a matter of you receiving now. So this is, God's going, listen, you gotta ask in faith. If you want wisdom, if you want anything that the Bible says he's given you, you gotta ask in faith with nothing wavering. Because the man that wavers, it says, cannot receive anything from God. In other words, faith is the necessary ingredient to receive from God. That's another definition of faith. Right? Faith is a lifestyle. Right? Faith pleases God. And faith is the necessary ingredient to receive from God. We're giving definitions. This is what faith is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to receive anything from God. Therefore, what pleases God is when we receive of him. Is that, that's like an algebra equation, isn't it, Pastor Edmund? <laughs> Wow, let me say that again. I'm, that's, that's pretty, that's awesome. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to receive anything from him. Therefore, what pleases God is when you receive what God has already provided for you. See, look, she's saying amen right there. That's right. That's right. Preach it. We're, we're team preaching right now. She's definitely the cute end of this deal. So this is awesome. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. What pleases him is when we receive from him. Wow. See, do you realize you can't do this apart from God? You can't do anything to receive from God apart from him. And this is why this is how it's all set up. Because you are to literally walk through life like this, united with him in fellowship. You are in Christ. It is in him that I live and move and have my being. Because as we're going to see how faith comes, faith only comes by hearing God's word. In other words, faith does not waver. Faith is the condition that comes from believing God. Faith comes from believing God. Right? You hear 
his word, that word here means that you reverence and honor and respect his word above everything else in your life and you are in a position to where now you're hearing it because you believe it and, and are planning to act on it. That's hearing. All the other stuff is just listening. And people who listen to the word only, they self-deceive themselves. They think they're in faith when they're not. They think they're walking in love when they're not. They think they're being led by the Spirit of God when they're not. Boy, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to self-deceive. I don't want to give Satan a break. You know, I don't want him to be able to go get coffee at Starbucks because I'm deceiving myself. He doesn't have anything to do. No, 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 no. Nope, I'm going to hear the Word of God. Faith is a settled condition. The condition of having believed. I have believed that Jesus died on a cross for me almost 2,000 years ago. And I am fully persuaded that the Holy Spirit of God is living in my brand new spirit that is made in the image and likeness of God and that I will spend every moment of every moment of my existence through all eternity with him in his presence. There is no doubt in my mind that heaven is real. There's no doubt in my mind that we are coming to an age where the church will be raptured or at the end of my life, I'll step out of my body. But when I do, man, death, there's no sting for me. As soon as I step out, I'll be with him. That I'm eternal. I'm fully persuaded that nothing that I'll ever face in this life is bigger than what he has already provided and bigger than him. True faith never gives up. The lifestyle of faith is a choice, right? Everything God says is absolute truth. I think it's hilarious how in all of our universities, this secular humanism teaching is truth is whatever you think it to be. No, that's not right. Truth is not of this world. I'm gonna go with the Bible. Thy word is truth. Truth, truth is what God says, and everything God says is absolute truth. So if he tells you that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above only and not beneath, that you're healed, that you're strong, right? That you're a child of God, you're born of God, you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, then that's absolute truth. Nothing else. I don't need anything else. Everything God says is absolute truth. We have been given the honor to believe what God says. And I'm here to tell you today, I think I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that would say, absolutely, amen, I believe what God says. Amen. Look at what it says here in verse 8 of James chapter 1. It, says, it finishes up by saying, a double-minded man... This is a man who is wavering, a double-minded man. This is a man that does not know what is true. This man is unstable in all of his ways. You got to know today, wavering is a choice, and you don't have to make that choice. Wavering is not something that Satan makes you do. You only can make yourself waver. Don't sit there and go, Satan's making me waver. Nope, he can't. You have to choose it. No thoughts of doubt can make you waver unless you accept those thoughts to be true. Whew, boy, Satan hates this kind of teaching. A double-minded man, look at what it says, is unstable in some of his ways. Isn't that interesting that it says all of his ways? So that means if I waver because I don't believe he's my healer, it doesn't stop there. If I waver in one area, it will bleed over until I'm wavering in all areas. The word of God tells us that. So in other words, we are not people who waver. Right? Say this with me. I will never waver. I will never waver because I believe God. 
That's right. It's a truth. See, the double-minded man, he's unstable in all of his ways. We must be established in God's word. We must know what God's word says. This is why we're teaching this. So today, guys, we've learned a few little definitions of faith.